Yeah, I think it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. The last episode, I accused you of sounding congested, and then when I went back to edit it, it was me that sounded congested. <laughs> and you made Hi, me so paranoid. I'm like, oh my god, am I, I sick? Know. What's going on? No, 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 it was me. I'm like, is it COVID? <laughs> is it the plague? I'm Danielle. And I'm Christy. And you are listening to... Snacks with Stein. Let's do it. Hello and welcome back to Snacks with Stein. I'm Christy. Danielle is in California. Hello. <laughs> we are here yet again to board this crazy train for Snacks with Stein. Danielle, what is happening with you? What's new in the last five minutes? Not much. We're here, still in quarantine, kind of. I mean, restrictions are loosening, but we're still sticking to our routine. Yeah, Not a lot going on. It is what yeah. it is. Got a few people have gotten the vaccine, so that's good news. If you're one of those lucky people who got one, good for you. Yay. <laughs> I'm still waiting. Yay! But yeah, yeah. It's a little weird. For My Danielle hockey team's doing now. bad. Yeah. <laughs> bad? They're doing bad? They're doing bad. They're oh, doing no. bad. Your team, on the other hand, in Colorado is doing good, so good for you. <laughs> what, what, uh, what are we? You are the Colorado Avalanche, and you're in second place right right now. There is actually an outdoor game they're playing in Lake Tahoe on Saturday. If you're bored on TV and want to watch it on TV, it's going to be really pretty to look at. You'll have beautiful Lake Tahoe, and they are playing Vegas Golden Knights. So if you want to watch. Unless someone is streaming it on YouTube, (laughs) that's going to be difficult. We don't have oh, it. but it's on like it's on like NBC. It's on like regular oh, TV. I might have that. I don't know. We yeah, have some na- weird channels. Yeah, mm. we have some weird channels that come. It's national TV. TV, so I think you might get it. Okay. Okay. You might. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. Like then I'll definitely be like texting you, being like, "Okay, so this just happened. <laughs> what does that mean?" <laughs> Where does the ball go? I'm just kidding. <laughs> so they're fighting. Go. Is that normal or <laughs> should I call their mom? Seriously. <laughs> Flag on the play. Um, I don't know anything about sports. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but what I do know is teen horror novels from the 80s. Um, Danielle, what are you going to be snacking on while I tell this very, very long but good story? You need something to wake up. I have some iced coffee to keep me awake. And I have some Lady Gaga Chromatica Oreos. So that's what I'm sorry. What is this? Lady Gaga Oreos? (laughs) Yes. Are they infused with her essence? Like, what is, what's happening I hope here? so. I hope I eat them and I wake up and I've heard. That's what I'm hoping. I'll, I'll let you know tomorrow if that's okay. what happens. 
So yeah, so like, oh my God. Lady Gaga put Don't out. Worry, it was worked. So she put out an album last year, and it was called Chromatica. And then some late, sometime late in the summer, like a couple months after the album came out, she posted this picture of her on her on her Instagram story, and she's holding this like electric pink. Ba- uh, package of Oreos and people are like the fuck's that turns out she's like one of the first people ever to have an Oreo collab for no reason at all and I find it fantastic so the packaging is electric pink like the album and it says these cookies were inspired by Lady Gaga and they have the symbols on them from the album and they're pink cookies with green cream so they're yes. kind of um they're like the vanilla ones, not the chocolate Oreos. And mm-hmm. I actually pre-ordered them from Walmart because A, yes. I'm not going out to stores, and B, they were selling out everywhere like insane. And I'm still on the hunt for the 7-Eleven version of the packaging because it's like bright, shiny white, and it looks cool. And I'm just a Lady Gaga super fan, and I have no shame in my game. So I love her and will buy anything <laughs> with her on it. And I had to have the Oreos. And I was like... My pink Oreos are here. <laughs> and they're delicious, so, I take it. And I'm going to freeze them. They kind of taste like birthday cake a little bit. I, I can see and that, I'm totally yeah. going to freeze them. I'm going to freeze them and put them in my fridge for 100 years. And You've got your Lady Gaga Oreos. You're going to sit back and drink that iced coffee so that you don't fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take us on a journey again. I know that's my favorite thing to say, but it feels that way. It feels like we get kind of pulled out for a minute. No, there's no pirate ships this time, and I'm going to not uh, (laughs) use my fancy pirate accent that everyone was so impressed by, I'm sure. No, we're going to uh, go in a completely different direction. (laughs) Now it's time for something completely different. So I chose this book because I made a mistake. Our wonderful patron, (laughs) Tinker, signed up for Patreon a long time ago, and she sent in her book request. Now, because I have way too many tabs, like, open in my brain, I got the books mixed up. We covered Switched when we should have covered Twisted. And because she's a very old friend of mine, she did not say a word. (laughs) She was just going to let it go. But... Um, I'm a pretty big fan of like admitting when you're wrong and I 100% like I messed up. So today we will be covering Twisted and Tinker, I'm sorry it took so long. When the plague is over, I'll buy you a drink. The first thing that I noticed about this book cover is that it's not a fear street. Normally that means it's point horror, but it doesn't say point horror on it. So I had to look it up, and according to Wikipedia, this is actually Point Horror number two, which is awesome because we've already covered Point Horror number one when we did Blind Date. So we are completely by accident going in number order when it comes to the Point Horror books. But I'm excited because Blind Date has been my favorite so far, and if you remember, Blind Date was kind of bananas. It was pretty intense it was much more mature and like the crazy level was set to like 11 um so i'm excited i'm excited to get into this one i've never read it well i've read it now but when i wrote this i've never read it um 
So we're all in this together. Let's let's do it. <laughs> are they connected at all? Like because of their no. Where like are they have do you have no. any links? Okay. No, these are standalone uh, horror novels that just happen to okay. feature young people. I think that when he first started writing these, I don't know that the that genre was as much of a genre as it is now. It was more of just like this is a horror story and it features young people, kind of thing. Okay. So the cover is pretty simple. It's a dark background. There's a face of a pretty young girl. She almost looks like she's lit from a candle that's in front of her that we can't see. And she looks very determined. And above her face, in all embossed and shiny lettering, is the word twisted. And it's kind of wavy. The copyright is from Scholastic Inc. in 1987. This one is it's 168 pages. I know! It's, it's 100... <laughs> I was born in 83. Uh, it's 168 pages long, but the print is tiny. I have never seen such small print in one of these. So let's get started. Gabriella and Abby are students at Rockland State College. They're also sisters. They've just been invited to pledge the Trigams, a very exclusive sorority uh, who only allows 10 girls to pledge each year. Gabriella has zero interest in any kind of sorority, and she's pretty annoyed how Abby seems totally obsessed with it. Abby can't figure it out. I mean, it's not like Gabriella is prettier than her. Why wouldn't she be thrilled to be invited to pledge for this ultra-exclusive sorority? But for some reason, she's not into it. Abby can't quite figure out why. And there's definitely, like... Right out of the gate, Abby has some kind of like unhealthy tendencies. We learn that she's she's very vain, she's very competitive, and sort of in a psychopathic kind of way. Okay, so like here's an example. So her mom comes in the room when they're getting ready. Instead of getting up and turning around and talking to her mother, she looks in, her, in the reflection of the mirror to speak to her mother. Because for some reason... For Abby, it's easier for her to speak to someone's reflection than their face. Okay. I just thought that was kind of like a weird psycho thing. Yeah. Like she, yeah. Mm -hmm. Abby has dressed as fashionably as she can. She's in an oversized sweater, a mini skirt, and printed tights. And we say yes. Approved. She rides the bus through this foggy coastal town to Greek Row. When she arrives at the Gamma 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 or the Tri Gamma House, she has two surprises when she gets there. Number one, the house is not as nice as she thought it was going to be, okay? It's kind of old and like run down, and the girl that greets her has something stuck in her teeth and right out the bat she's the trigamas aren't quite what she thought they were going to be and number yeah. two her man stealing rival Leah is there this is a problem for Abby because part of this whole Greek experience was to leave her life of high school behind and start a new adventure 
and seeing someone from that old life intrude on this new life that she's making for herself is really pissing Abby off. Also, Leah stole Abby's old boyfriend, whose name is Gordon, and Gordon and Leah are still together. To make matters worse, when Abby makes her way to the folding chairs that are set out for the new pledges, she learns that another one of the girls pledging this year is from her high school. This girl's name is Nina, which I really like. Actually, I like that name. Nina is a very, like, perky cheerleader joiner type, okay? She's high on life all the time. That's that's her setting. She also happens to be dorm roommates with Leah. So that's awkward. So quick recap, because he does give it to us all at once. Abby is the girl that we're kind of following most of the time. She runs into Leah, who is a friend from high school. Not really a friend, because Leah stole Abby's boyfriend, Gordon, and Leah is also roommates with another friend from high school, Nina. It's a web. It's a web we're weaving. Yes. Yes. So. So you need a notepad. I was kidding. You might. Notes. It's it's not. Once you get them established, it's it's not too bad. But there are a number of, of characters in this one. Um, I, I didn't mean to drop this earlier, but I'll establish it now. I know fuck all about sororities or like Greek life or secret society. I have no idea. So if I mess up the lingo or um, something yeah, of that nature, either. I'm not trying to be condescending. I just don't know. Okay. <laughs> so there you I go. I wasn't cool mm. enough. Same. Cool yeah, enough no, same. Anything. Well, I know Tinker, the girl that requested the book, she was uh, she was Greek. So Abby takes a seat next to a gorgeous redhead named Rebecca as all the other pledges sit down and the meeting starts. The president of the sorority and also the person in charge of Rush Week is named Andrea. Andrea is exactly what you'd think. She's blonde and polished and pretty and friendly in a very condescending way. She I was starts to go of Andrea from Beverly Hills. I know too much. Ah, uh, not as nice. Wasn't Andrea the nice one? <laughs> she like was like the, one the nice nerdy one who then yeah. ends yes, and very nerdy. Yeah. And then she ends up getting pregnant in high yeah, school. She had glasses. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She no, no, she's and she was in love with Brandon. Yep, she sure was. She was the smart one. <laughs> yeah, that's not this Andrea. Mm-hmm. This Andrea is uh, much blonder. She starts to go on and on about the sorority and what they do, and you know what it means to be a sister in this sorority. But Abby misses almost all of her speech because she's too busy stewing and being really pissed off that both Nina and Leah have the gall to intrude on her new life. (laughs) There is a latecomer to the meeting, a girl who burst in saying that her bassoon lesson ran long and that she was sorry she was late. Excuse me? A bassoon? 100%. A bassoon. Are you and Peter and the wolf? What's happening over there? The bassoon? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
Mind you, this is the first of many rush gatherings and all these girls that are kind of at this meeting are competing for a limited number of spots in the sorority. Mm-hmm. So they're mm-hmm. all really dressed up. They're trying to impress. This chick, though, jeans and a sweatshirt, no makeup. I mean... This is bassoon girl? Yeah, she's pretty much me. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Like, she rolls up in jeans <laughs> and she's like, yo, sorry, I was late. My bassoon ran long. <laughs> and, like, pops down. <laughs> and... Uh, and this is great. There's this really funny line from Rebecca, who is the redhead sitting next to Abby, and she kind of leans over and she's like, is she in jeans? They aren't even 501s. OMG. The scandal. It's 1987. She's not wearing 501 jeans. No. What were the fancy jeans in your school? Oh, gosh. Popular kids all wore like they either, they either wore Guess a lot and they wore Abercrombie a lot. Those were the yeah, things. Abercrombie was a thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. I think I had one one pair, and that was the only one that would fit me because they were also tiny, tiny Abercrombie jeans. <laughs> They're tiny. Mm-hmm. They really are. So we learned that the girl in the jeans is named Jessie. Jessie has an older sister that's already in the sorority. So she automatically got an invite to pledge. And again, I'm going to say I was never in a sorority, but this might be like what they're what what's called a legacy where you're automatically in if you have a family member who has a sister, something like that. Right. So a couple of things you need to know about Jessie. Number one, she's amazing. We love her. Jessie's our favorite. Number two, she is said to have, quote, a weight problem, which in this setting means like she's what? probably average. Yeah, I know. Wow. <laughs> number number three, she's in no way intimidated by Andrea or any of these other bitches. And she kind of like all but heckles Andrea pretty much throughout the entire meeting. It's very funny. Andrea says that this sorority is special. It's very exclusive, and it requires a lifelong commitment from its members. Each year, they only invite 10 girls to pledge, and of those 10, only five will be accepted. Jesse asks if they have to go through any kind of hazing, and Andrea answers that of course they won't. Hazing has been banned by the university. Instead, what the Trigamma do is, you know, they have to ensure that each girl's really committed and bonded to the house for life. So they'll take the pledges away to another town for a little trip where each pledge will be required to commit a crime. Like a blood brothers ceremony, but with felonies. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Right? But there's no hazing. That's not hazing. It's more like a gang, I guess. Um, it seems like a gang. <laughs> not feeling very sorority and feeling like, I'm in a gang, Mom. Well, like, the house is kind of run down, you know? Like, they show up and they're like, okay. Well. So, there's a fade out. And when we open back up, it's we're at a little college coffee shop. 
okay this is before Starbucks so it's just this like little cute like mom and pop place where the students and the locals go Abby and Nina have met to have a cup of coffee after the meeting like I said Nina is that perky cheerleader type from Abby's high school but Abby and Nina also happened to be good friends when they were younger it's that thing that happens where you have that really good friend and you spend a lot of time together and then middle school happens and then you kind of have different interests and kind of slowly stop being good friends. That's that's what happened to Nina and Abby. Okay. Nina is very shocked by the news that came out at the meeting and she's asking Abby if she thinks that like they'll really have to commit a crime. And Abby brushes it off. She's like, it's it's, you know, it's usually some stupid prank that they make the pledges do something silly you know it's never really harmful not you know Nina shouldn't really be worried Abby then takes a stab at calling Nina out on Nina's unusually small hands which I guess is a sore spot for Nina but Abby just forgot and the only reason I included it is Abby does shit like this over and over again where she will randomly spit very rude things at people and pretend like it's normal Nina is put off by this but at the same time it's kind of strange because in the same breath where Nina reminds Abby that she's you know very sensitive about the size of her hands for some reason she also starts to confide in Abby about her concerns with her roommate Leah and Gordon Nina is aware that Abby and Gordon dated first that doesn't really stop her from telling Abby that the other night when she came home late to the dorms she saw Leah and Gordon fucking in the back of Gordon's truck in the dorm parking lot. And Leah was so shocked. I mean, the parking lot is so well lit. And Leah could have gotten in trouble if, like, a university cop had come by and caught them. She doesn't think that Gordon is good for Leah. So right out the gate, we're not in high school anymore. Stein makes no bones Mm -hmm. about what they were doing in the back of that truck. Yeah. Isn't Point Cora usually is a little bit more? Yes, yeah. it is. is Remember Point in the, oh, yeah. the last okay. one? Yeah, he was yeah. all about getting mm-hmm. laid and talking about her tits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yes. my question That's is, what kind of answer. truck is this in the 80s that has a back seat? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Trucks mm. barely have back seats these days. Yeah. Unless you pay the big Maybe bucks they're for them. I guess. <laughs> But, uh, but just as Abby was about to get some of the real gory details, Jessie, the late girl from the meeting, walks into the coffee shop and spots them. She comes over and sits down at their booth and orders a sandwich, and then she introduces herself. <laughs> Abby and Nina are doing that, like, quiet, we aren't saying anything because we don't want to be rude, but... And then... <laughs> Nina asked Jesse if she thinks that, you know, Andrea was serious about them having to commit a crime. And Jesse not only thinks that it's a real thing, she is super excited. The idea of doing something really crazy and getting away with it sounds really exciting to her. Abby and Nina both excuse themselves and kind of get up to leave. And they leave Jesse there in the booth. And Abby and Nina agree on their way out that they have no idea if Jessie is ever going to make it into the sorority. She was just so weird. So twisted. After the coffee, Nina goes back to her dorm and meets a very angry 
very crazy Leah. Because remember, Leah and Nina are roommates. Right. Leah starts demanding to know where Nina was and what she was doing. And Nina says, you know, well, you know, I went to meet Abby for coffee after the meeting. And Leah flips out. She could not believe that her roommate has gone with who she describes as, quote, her biggest enemy to have coffee. Nina's like, you know, Leah, it's really not that big of a deal. Whatever happened between you and Gordon and Abby, that was that was a year ago. Like, we need to really, we need to move on. But Leah has made it clear that she has no intention of moving on. She hates Abby and she does not trust Nina. And oh, by the way, in a very dramatic move, she says, hey, Nina, I got you a present. And she hands her a pair of binoculars. And Nina's like, what is this for? And Leah said, well, you know, so the next time you decide to spy on me and my boyfriend fucking, you can get a better view. Ew. And Leah's like, well, I wasn't spying on you. You were in a lit parking lot. I was walking (laughs) to my dorm. Anyone could have walked by. And Nina's like, no, you were there for like 20 minutes. (laughs) And Leah's like, why wouldn't you have stopped? If I was there for 20, like, you know, and so this ends with <laughs> this ends with Leah telling her she's not going to be a roommate with a spy and that they can't be roommates anymore. And and she doesn't want to talk to her anymore, period. So they've completely friend broken up okay. over getting caught in parking lot sex. OK. Oh, my God. Um, so this dude, Gordon, can we talk about him for just a second? Like, he he has all these girls digmatized. Like, I don't understand. Like, Abby's still talking about Gordon. Leah's having truck sex with Gordon. Gordon better be something pretty amazing. That's all I'm going to say. With a name like Gordon. Ah! Sorry. <laughs> I couldn't help myself. The whole time I was reading this, I was thinking, <laughs> Ah! Sorry. Uh, Hopefully he looks like Flash Gordon. Hey, all right. <laughs> if he's not, if he, but I'm, that's what I mean. If he's got all these people like so excitable, he better look like Flash Gordon. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I expect some Lemay. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so now we move back to Abby, who's just gotten home after the meeting. Her mom's already gone to bed, but her sister Gabriella is waiting for her to come home. In the dark, like a weirdo. Gabriella, who was pretty high and mighty about not being interested in sororities, now suddenly wants to know all about how the meeting went. And Abby says, you know, she doesn't really want to talk to Gabriella about it. She'll just make fun of her. But Gabriella keeps pushing. And finally, she says that, you know, she wants to know what Abby thinks about the crime that they're going to have to commit. Abby tells her, you know, butt out. She starts heading up the stairs. And it's only about halfway up the stairs that she realizes she didn't say anything about the crime. How does Gabriella know that? Yeah. The plot thickens. Abby is super tired. She shrugs it off. She heads to her room. She starfishes out on the bed and passes out. Well, that was her plan anyways. But she ran into someone waiting for her in her room. 
Danielle, who is in Abby's room? It's Gordon. Flash. Ah, yes, it's Gordon. Um, (laughs) I was right. It is Gordon. Leah's truck fucking boyfriend, Gordon. He covers her mouth for a moment. He's like, don't scream. And she's basically like, what the hell? How did you even get in? And Gordon admits casually and coolly that he climbed up the side of the house, came through a bedroom window. And we finally get a description of Gordon. And I'm sorry. Because he does not look the way we want him to. Um, I mean, it starts well. She starts out by saying that like he's tall and muscular. He's built like a football player. And then it ends badly. She goes on to say that he has this very long kind of greasy hair. And close set eyes. And this is a direct quote. Like a big, unwashed Sean Penn. Ugh. I know! Ew. Super gross. I'm disappointed. Super gross. I would like to return for a refund. <laughs> Excuse me. This isn't going to work for me. Um... It's okay. In your mind, go ahead and put what you want him to be. We do that all the time with people and characters. Be like, no, I think you look like this. Abby wants to know what he's doing there. But she's not exactly mad about it. She's not like, you know, showing him that. And Gordon says, you know, he's there to apologize. He was really immature last year. He never meant to hurt Abby. And in this rare moment of clarity, Abby tells him, you know what, that's too bad because you you did hurt me and I want you to leave. But he doesn't. He just kind of like pouts and like kind of prods around a room and keeps talking about how sorry he is and acting like a hurt little puppy. Which I guess is really out of character for him. She gives a number of examples of memories of him like getting hurt in various ways and not letting on. Like I guess the guy's super macho. So this whole act about oh I'm so sorry and I'm hurt and I was dumb. It, it, that shit worked. It worked all day long. Abby form tackles him and I assume they hook up but all we get is them making out and then Abby saying, oh, you know, Leah would kill her if she ever finds out. And then it fades to black. So Gordon gets around. The opening of chapter six has such a good setting description that I'm going to directly quote Stein. And we don't normally do this, but some of the writing in these early point horror books is just so good. And like chunky. And I'm I'm gonna let him set the scene here. Quote The house, set back in the woods at the end of Dune Road, could have been the setting for the Amityville horror or some other horror movie. The bus bumped up the rutted dirt driveway past gnarled old trees that shivered and entwined around each other as if they were afraid of the dark. Good, right? Very. I know. These old, these, these 
so different. These first novels were really like little novels, like very wordy and chunky, and you can see things. It's cool. All I'm thinking um, is it's not Captain Billy Bottoms. All I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> or Billy Tops. <laughs> uh, so you get the picture, right? You know, you can tell where we're at. The pledges have been taken on a bus to this rundown old seaside mansion, and none of them really know where they are. The bus stops, and Andrea, the sorority president, jumps up and announces that it's time for them to prove with their trigams. Abby is distracted, though. She's been thinking about that night she spent with Gordon a week ago. If Leah only knew. Leah, it appears, is still not talking to Nina. And Jesse is still being weird. And awesome. Throwing inappropriate jokes, trying to break the tension. Like you do. Abby meets a new girl on the bus who identifies herself as Emily. Emily is super excited about just fucking everything. And Abby's having a hard time holding a conversation with someone who is super excited about fucking everything. <laughs> Sometime between the night with Gordon and the ride on the bus, Andrea had doubled down on their needing to commit a crime to get into the sorority. And she had gotten more specific about the rules. That's what this trip was for. They were going to spend a weekend here, wherever here was, and by the end of the weekend, any girl who wanted to get into the sorority had to commit a serious crime. Andrea a was along to watch crime? them. That's what it says, a serious crime. Andrea was along to watch them and act as a judge and a witness. Three of the pledges from the original meeting dropped out. This was too weird for them. And they just couldn't tell if Andrea was joking or not. The remaining seven, judging from the conversations on the bus, mostly thought that this whole crime thing was just a prank. Like, just to see who would drop out. And so, those who could play along for long enough would be sure to be asked to be in the sorority. Except Jesse, who still seems pretty jazzed about acting like a criminal. <laughs> Maybe it was all those bassoon lessons. We don't know. Um, when they finally get to the house and they get inside, it's the bassoon is a ridiculous instrument. Please, please Google bassoon. Please. Abby is surprised that on the inside of the house, it's not quite as bad as she thought it was going to be. The house is warm and dry and clean. The furniture was pretty modern and comfortable looking, and Andrea comes into the front room and announces that she has the room assignments for the weekend. Nina would be rooming with Rebecca, that's the pretty redhead that Abby sat next to at the first meeting. Emily, the super hyped girl from the bus, would be rooming with a very quiet girl named Ruby. Abby was, of course, paired with Leah. And Jessie, after expressing outrage at having to share, was given her own room. <laughs> Andrea suggests that they all go get some rest. Everyone goes upstairs and finds their room. Surprisingly, Leah is being really nice to Abby. And they're chatting it up, or at least being cordial to each other. And they say, you know what, they're both tired, they, they just want to pass out. The next morning, Andrea leads them all into town. 
They're in some kind of coastal town that is mostly for tourists. And now it's the fall, and the town is mostly deserted. Andrea instructs them all to pay attention to the layout of the town and the streets surrounding it. They walk along the little touristy shops, and they end up going into an antique store. The store owner comes out of the back to say hi, and she's surprised to see so many girls in her shop on an off-season day. Andrea tells her that, you know, they're cheerleaders from a college up north on a bus trip, and that they were just admiring the antique jewelry. The shop owner tells them to make themselves at home, and then she runs into the back office to answer the phone. As soon as she's gone, Andrea announces that this is the place. She tells everyone to walk around, memorize the exits, and where all the displays are, because tomorrow they are coming back, and they are stealing the jewels in the case and all the cash in the register. There are some questions, but Andrea just tells them, be quiet, look around. They can discuss everything at the meeting tonight, including who gets to hold the gun. A gun? Yup. <laughs> if I know sorority girls, it's got a matching wow. case. Um, that night, all the girls are gathered in the big old living room mansion. They have a fire going. They're piled into the big fluffy armchairs, and they're waiting for the meeting to start. Nina tells Abby not to trust Leah. Nina thinks it's really weird that Leah is being so nice to Abby. And Abby says, you know, hey, maybe Leah's just forgiven me after all this time. Nina's like, yeah, that's probably not it. Leah doesn't forget. She doesn't forgive. She's a little nuts. You, you need to not trust Leah. Andrea comes in to start the meeting. But they all have to wait a minute because, again, Jessie is late. But after she comes in, they get started. Andrea says, you know, that's not acceptable. No one can be late, especially not tomorrow while they're pulling off this robbery. Leah speaks up and asks, you know, well, what happens if someone messes up and, and it doesn't work? Andrea gets this flat and serious look on her face and she says they can't mess up. It's not an option. No group of Trigam pledges has ever been caught. The crimes have always been committed and never solved. Leah goes on to speak for the group, saying that, you know, most of us think this is a big joke. And Andrea assures her that it's not. So what do you think, Danielle? Is Andrea for real? Mm, I'm going to say no. I don't buy it. You think it's a joke? I think so. Okay. Let's find out. Where was I? Well, to show everyone in the group that this is in fact real, Andrea walks to a tall cabinet by the fireplace and unlocks a compartment with a key from around her neck. She reaches in and pulls out a silver pistol. She places it on the fireplace mantle and launches into the plan for their heist. And it goes like this. They are going to change the license plate on the bus to fake ones. They're going to catch the shop owner off guard, subdue her, tie her up. They're going to assign lookouts, and then they're going to clean out the place of cash and jewels. If anything should happen, they're going to use separate escape routes to get back to the bus. 
And now they will draw straws, and the person with the short straw will carry the pistol. Abby still thinks that this is all bullshit. This is an elaborate joke. It's very bad taste, but this is a prank. Like, she's not, she's not convinced. Andrea holds out a fistful of straws and walks up to Ruby, the quiet girl that we don't know very much about. And Ruby tells Andrea to go fuck herself. She's not doing this. She wants to leave. She no longer wants to be a trigam. Andrea tells her, you know, that's fine, but she'll have to wait here at the house until it's all over. There's no phone, uh, and there's no houses close enough to walk to. Ruby's kind of like, okay, guess I'll wait here then. Andrea approaches Rebecca, who pulls a long straw. Jesse asks what the plan is for the cops in town. What if they are alerted to what's going on? And Andrea says, you know what, she's not worried. There's only going to be a few on duty, and she doubts they'll even know what's happening till it's all over. Emily, Leah, and Jesse all pull long straws. And it's worth mentioning here that Andrea is really enjoying herself. She is seriously getting off on the fear that she's creating. Nina is next, and she pulls the short straw. Andrea hands her the gun, tells her, be careful, it's loaded. The meeting is adjourned, and they all go up to bed. I guess I was wrong but I was right about Gordon Ah, <laughs> uh, sorry um, <laughs> back in their room Leah is asking Abby why she would ever go through something like this and Abby's like well you know it's worth it it's just a stupid joke it's worth it to be a trigam to be one of the best Leah is not so sure but before they can date it fur- debate it further, there's a knock on their window. It's Gordon. Crawling through the window and wearing a denim motorcycle cap like a hoodlum. A denim motorcycle wow. cap. I just want to make sure you caught that on his greasy Sean Penn hair. Denim. Yeah, denim. With greasy hair. Yup. Denim and greasy hair. Hot. Um, Abby seems to forget that Leah is in the room and she spreads out her arms wide and is very happy to see Gordon. But Gordon walks right past her <laughs> to Leah and starts telling her oh how much he missed God. her and how he couldn't wait to see her. And Leah's like, what are you doing here? But he pulls Leah off down the hall to an empty room. Abby wants to die. She is so angry and embarrassed. And there is no way that both of them missed her, like, welcoming Gordon. And she just knew that they were both laughing at her now. Abby tries to sleep. But she remembers Leah sneaking back into their room a few hours later and climbing into bed fully clothed. And who knows where the fuck Mr. Magic Dick Gordon went. We, we have no clue. <laughs> Probably climbing <clears throat> in somebody else's window. Cause... Uh, he's got windows to climb yeah. in, my friends. 
It's a busy night. The next morning, most of the girls are feeling nervous and trying to eat some kind of breakfast. Andrea comes in the kitchen and announces that as soon as the driver puts the fake plates on the bus, they'll head out. Nina is a mess. And the only one who's not acting nervous and weird is Jesse, who is ready AF to commit a crime. They walk out to the bus. Abby hears Andrea telling Nina how to hold the gun, how to fire it. She also hears Andrea say that the gun is loaded, but they're just blanks. They'll make a loud noise, but they won't really hurt anybody. The bus drives the girls into town, and Jessie asks Andrea where she's going to be during the heist. Andrea says that, you know, she'll wait outside the store with the bus. You know, they'll have the motor running. The whole thing should really take them all about three minutes. Get in, get out, walk slowly when you come out of the store, and just like that, the heist is on. The bus parks and they head into the store and Nina takes three steps and points the gun at the shop owner, tells her not to move or yell. Rebecca and Emily start breaking open jewelry cabinets and grabbing jewels. Leah was laughing, saying this is all a joke, but Nina disagrees. She's not sure she can do this and she kind of starts to lower the gun. Jessie grabs the gun from her and goes all Pulp Fiction. She's got the gun right up in that shop owner's face and she's screaming that this is no joke and she better hold still. And then she starts yelling at all the other girls like, hurry up and get the stuff. This is when Abby realized it was her job to empty the cash register. So she heads over to the cash register and she's trying to figure out which buttons open the drawer. Everybody's busy, they're moving fast, and Abby hears the shop owner say something like, Oh no, my heart! She grabs her chest and falls to the ground. They go over. Abby feels her wrist. She can't tell. Jessie comes over. She feels it as well, and in her medical opinion, the shop owner is dead. There's a fade out. And now we're all back in the living room of the big old mansion in front of the fire. Nina is hysterical and Andrea is flipping out, saying over and over, this was not in the script. This was not in the script. Abby's trying to comfort Nina. Nina wanted to immediately go to the police, but when the girls came out of the shop and quickly told Andrea what happened, Andrea had insisted that instead of going to the police and getting caught, they should head back to the house and regroup, get their story straight, which is where they are now. Nina is sobbing, and Abby's telling her, calm down, calm down, because you know what, there's a pretty good chance they won't get caught. No one saw them going to the store, they didn't pass anybody on the road, they really should just get away with it. And this set Nina screaming that they killed her. They all killed her. But now, like, so now they have to get into the sorority because they murdered someone. That's the ultimate crime. Right? 
So that's when when she's right. They can't go much better than that. When she does this thing about how you know we all killed her, that's when that girl Ruby, the one that didn't go from the corner of the room, is like, "Mm, "Bitch, we didn't all kill her. I wasn't even there. I was here the whole time." And this seems to snap Andrea out of her freak out and she says something like you, you me too i i didn't even go in the store i i have no idea what you all did in there and andrea is now suddenly calm jesse calls bullshit and she tells her that she is just as much a part of this as they all are andrea disagrees all she knows is that they went into a store and when they came out a few minutes later, they were talking about how the shop owner was dead. Leah now gets up to comfort Nina, who is straight up hysterical at this point, and tells Andrea, you know, okay, enough's enough. It's time to stop. Stop the joke. It's gone too far. Everybody's upset. Like, we know this is just a prank. Please stop. You need to stop right now. Andrea is still dead serious. She looks around at all the girls and says, once again, this is no joke. And it never was. And she moves to the door and starts pulling on her coat. She is going to walk to the nearest house, which I guess is a mile away, and call the police. Uh Ruby agrees, but the other girls are shocked, saying she can't do that. But Andrea assures them, you know, she will support them as much as she can. You know, that the sorority will stand behind them well you know as much as they can without ruining their reputation uh and she moves for the door and jesse is on her she wrestles her back to the living room where leah says they all need to think clearly andrew's like it doesn't really matter what you think i'm going to call the police i didn't do anything wrong we need to report this emily says that's stupid because They should all just go home. They might not even get caught. There's more fighting. And Andrea says, okay, let me make a suggestion. We all just need some time to to think. We need to think clearly. And then we can kind of reconvene and decide what to do. They should go up to their rooms. They should rest. They should think. They're going to meet back down in the living room at 3 o'clock and decide what to do. Andrea promises that she will not sneak off and phone the police in the meantime. Really? And Jess is like, oh yeah, we know you won't. I'll be watching you. I'm going to make sure that that doesn't happen. And they all head upstairs. Abby tries to comfort Nina, who is still a mess. But then something weird happens. Um, Abby starts hallucinating a little bit and she doesn't seem surprised by it a few examples so at one point she she thinks she sees the fire leap out of the fireplace and consume the room and the next second the fire is back in the hearth where it belongs when they're walking up the stairs there's a big mounted moose head at the top of the stairs and Abby thinks that it's grinning But when she looks back again, it's normal again. 
So she's, she's having these little flashes and she's also losing a little bit of time because in her memory, they were on the stairs and the next thing she remembers, she's in one of the upstairs room talking with some of the girls. So, so I wrote a note here that I got auto-corrected again because I, I wrote, really, Stein, another moose head? But instead of Stein, it put stinky. <laughs> Stum. <laughs> really stinky. <laughs> I really want to name a pet stinky. I've never, never had the chance. <laughs> so there's a lot of happening. Are we good so far? Do we understand what's happening? I think, yeah. Okay. You know where we're at? Okay. Because it moves pretty fast. So they're upstairs, you know, they're trying to calm Nina down. Leah is a thousand percent convinced, like, this is a prank. Like, you need to just calm down. You're you're fretting over nothing. I bet that shop owner was in on it. I bet she does this every year for the pledges. Like, don't worry about it. Like, this is all bullshit. Jesse disagrees. Jesse's like... This isn't a prank. I've never heard anything about this. My sister's in the sorority. I would know. You know, this is for real. We need to figure this out. Jesse offers to take Nina back to her room to calm her down. And Abby goes to relax on her bed. And is going to try to take a nap or something. But Leah decides this is a really, really good time to confront Abby about her reaction when Gordon came through the window last night. She saw the way she greeted him. She knows that something is up. Abby does not want to have this conversation and she sits up and turns to face a wall. But there is a mirror there. And remember, she has this thing where it's easier for her to talk to people's reflections than their faces. So she talks to Leah but through the mirror. And Leah goes on and on about how she's sorry about last year. Kind of. But not really. I mean, Gordon chose her. And no one ever thought that Abby would be so upset by a little breakup. And Abby needs to stay away from Gordon. And that's it. Bitch switch flipped. Abby turns and <laughs> screams at Leah to never threaten her. And she picks up some glass bottle from the dresser and throws it at Leah's head, which barely misses. And Leah's like, well, I guess I've said all I need to say then. And then she leaves, leaves the room. She's, she's trying not to have this fight. <laughs> Abby takes like a cleansing breath, right? <sighs> she's willing herself not to cry. She turns to face the mirror when she hears a voice. Who is it, Danielle? Who's the voice? The one with the o with the oboe. Her. <laughs> with the bassoon. <laughs> the bassoon. <laughs> Jesse. No, it is not Jesse. It's Gabrielle. Is it Gordon again? Oh. Her sister. Oh. Abby is. Abby's just as confused as you are. She asks how she got okay, there. <laughs> Gabriella says that, you know, it wasn't hard to figure out where they were taking her. 
And wasn't she glad to see her sister? Abby looks back at herself in the mirror and says, Gabriella can't be here. She's not invited. But Gabriella insists that, you know, she, she just doesn't want to be left out. And, you know, Abby shouldn't worry. She's not going to embarrass her in front of all her little sorority friends. And Abby turns around, but Gabriella's gone. And then we get to watch Abby crack. <laughs> she starts putting on lipstick. Is it purple? And more. He doesn't say. No, it's red. It's red. Oh, darn. So she's staring at the at herself in the mirror and she's putting on this lipstick and she starts putting on more and more and she starts putting it on harder and, and making like wider circles on her lips. And then she starts just drawing the lipstick very calmly all over her face. And she oh my keeps God, did thinking, you ever see the movie? Oh, sorry. I'm interrupting. I was thinking, yeah. did you ever see the movie Night of the, of Night of the Creeps? It's I'm, a really sure stupid like have. cheese ball. There's a famous it's been probably scene. a while. Oh, it's ancient and it's like kind of a cult classic. It's not a good movie. It's cheese. It's cheese like to the max. If you just like cheese horror movies, that's what it is. But I think it's oh sorry not not of the creeps side of the demons. Let me look it up and make sure I'm not misquoting myself because I do that <laughs> anyway. That scene, yes. So there is a scene in that movie and this girl is going crazy and she does just that with like hot pink lipstick and she keeps going and going and going and then she draws like a heart on her face and then she's like, is the makeup okay? And it's like one of my favorite movie scenes of all time. And it just That's makes me amazing. think of that. That's yeah. exactly what's happening. Like she's <laughs> looking in the mirror, she's drawing all over her face with this red lipstick and she keeps thinking broken 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 until her whole face is painted blood red and then there's a fade out and when we come back we're on the front porch of the old house and nina and jesse are sitting on the porch swing nina's calmed down quite a bit jesse's telling her you know what no matter what happens they're all in this together and you know they're they're talking about the situation do you think that Andrea is going to sneak away and call the police and, you know, Jesse assures her, she, you know, that's not going to happen. Don't worry about her. She's not going to be a problem. Jesse realizes they never ate lunch, so she suggests that they go to the kitchen to find something to eat. And they stand up from the swing and they hear a gunshot. It was loud and it seemed pretty close. There's a beat and Jesse kind of laughs and says that, you know, it's probably hunters, right? On the, on the property next to them. It's duck season. No big deal. It's not rabbit season. It's duck season. But they see someone running in the tall grass along the edge of the property. It's a man and he's bent over kind of low. He's running fast and Nina immediately recognizes him and tells Jesse that it's Gordon, Leah's boyfriend. But what the hell is he doing here, and why is he running like that? Jesse looks at her watch and completely shrugs off the man in the grass. 
It's three o'clock. They have decisions to make. Fuck that strange person running in the grass. And this is the point in the book where I told myself, I'm going to be really pissed if this thing ends in a dream or some bullshit like that. Because nothing Ugh. makes sense. Yeah. I'm glad <laughs> nothing makes sense to you. Because nothing makes sense to me. So we're all in the same boat. Yes, I'm telling it correctly. You're hearing it correctly. <laughs> right now, it's weird. And we don't know why. It's okay. one of those... It's that device that, like, makes you uneasy because you can't connect any dots and nothing ends. Yeah. You know? Like, it leaves everything we, open, drives you a little insane. Are we nearing the end, or are we still, like, midway? Three pages left. Oh. So we are nearing the end. Sort of. We got some stuff to mm-hmm. do. I'm trying not to rush through it. We're going to – all <laughs> no, questions will be answered. So it's three o'clock. Everybody's going to meet down in the living room. And as they all head in there, a storm starts to kick up outside. A big, beautiful, coastal thunderstorm. They try to build a fire back up. And Ruby is saying that she thinks that they need to go and walk to the next house and call the police. And that's when Jesse says that Andrea said that the nearest house is a mile away. And it is now pouring rain. So that's not really an option for them anymore. They start to argue again. And Abby, who I assume has cleaned herself up, realizes Andrea has not come down for the meeting. And she's never late to anything. So they all go up to her room to look for her. And they find her. Lying on her bed, blood everywhere. Oh man. Jesse walks over and announces that Andrea has been shot and instructs everyone don't touch anything. The cops won't want anything to be disturbed. And then Jesse asks if Leah still thinks that this is a joke. They all go back downstairs again, and Rebecca starts to lose her shit. She's screaming and pulling at her hair, and Leah's like, can you calm down? That's not helping anybody. And that's when the lights start to flicker, and the storm kicks up outside. Emily screams, there must be a phone somewhere, and Ruby says that there's no way that she's going out into a crazy storm like this to walk to the next house. The lights flicker again, and Jesse goes to the kitchen and comes back with handfuls of long green candles. She passes them out to everyone, and just as she finishes, The light flickers a third time and goes out completely. The storm has knocked out the power. Candles are lit and they all stay pretty close to the fire when Abby gets up from the couch and announces one of them is a killer. And that she thinks it's Jesse. After all, they all saw Jesse threaten Andrea about going to call the cops. Hell, she tackled her and tried to stop her from leaving. 
Rebecca agrees. It has to be Jesse. Jesse was holding the gun on the shop owner, so she had more to lose by Andrea going to the police. And then Abby says that she remembers Jesse brought the gun back from the store. She watched her on the bus. Jesse denies killing Andrea, but she said she did bring the gun back. But, you know, she left it upstairs after they got back to the house. Any one of them could have it. Nina then says that it was not Jesse who shot Andrea. It was Gordon. Leah immediately jumps up and is all, What did you just say about my man? And Abby <laughs> also turns on her head and is like, Hey, Nina, what are you talking about? And the other girls are like, Who the fuck is Gordon? But Nina's candle goes out. in love with Gordon? Well, they hadn't met him, so it's not their fault. Um, <laughs> but so Nina continues to explain. She tells everyone how, you know, she and Jesse were on the porch. They heard a gunshot. And then they saw Leah's boyfriend, Gordon, running away, bent down kind of low so that no one would see him. Leah is enraged. That is crazy. Gordon doesn't even know Andrea. Why would he shoot her? The only person here who was a threat to Andrea was Jesse. And before they could argue about who the killer was even further, they were stopped by the sound of a loud banging. A banging on the front door. Someone's at the door. Who's at the door, Danielle? Gordon. Goddamn right it is. He decided not to come through a window this time. He's going to take the front door. Good he got God, caught Gordon. in a storm. I know, right? He got caught in the storm, and he is soaked and shivering, and decided it'd be better to answer questions about why he was there than possibly freeze to death. They are all standing there in the entryway with Gordon dripping everywhere, when Nina starts to tell everyone they should, like, tie him up or something. And then power comes back on. Nina goes on that he killed Andrea. She saw him run away. This is when Abby pipes up and says that, you know, Gordon came to visit her last night. That's why he's here. Uh, she was with him all last night. She's doing that thing where she's got hard eye contact with him. Like, you know, go along with me. I'm going to give you an alibi, admit you were with me last night. And Gordon's like, hey, thanks for trying to cover up for me, but we need to tell the truth. But Abby won't let it go. She starts yelling at him that that is the truth and that everyone is broken, broken. And then she kind of snaps out of it and just stands there looking confused. Gordon says he came to see Leah. He was with her all night in one of the spare rooms, and he just woke up this afternoon. That's when he tried to sneak off without anyone seeing him. That's why he was running away like that. But Jessie has had enough. She's not sure who to believe, but she tells him, you know what, we're going to lock you in one of these upstairs rooms until we can figure this out. Gordon does not object. He's like, I haven't done anything wrong. And I don't want to be out in the storm, so whatever you gotta do. You wanna lock me up? Cool. Do you have a towel? So, 
They lock him into the spare bedroom. And everybody kind of goes down to the living room and then scatters out in different directions. Some go to the kitchen, some go to their rooms. Everyone's confused and exhausted. Nina and Jesse go up to their rooms and Nina accuses, accuses Jesse of being too calm about this like whole thing. Nina suggests that Jesse knows more than she's telling. And Jesse, of course, denies this. Meanwhile, in the kitchen, they're looking for food and don't find any. Leah is able to make a cup of tea and after sitting down for a good 10 seconds, decides this is an excellent time to confront Abby about her obsession with Gordon. Leah, think about fucking something else. Anything else. Anything else but Gordon and all the bitches around you that you think want to be with him. Holy crap. Right. This whole book, Leah never, ever has a thought that's not wrapped around Gordon. She's, like, she's obnoxious. Super obnoxious. <laughs> so she climbs the stairs. And she goes to Abby in her shared room. She finds Abby sitting on the bed and looking in the mirror and the wall again. Abby had put on fresh lipstick and eye makeup. Leah calls to Abby and after a good 10 second pause, Abby says that she's not Abby. Her name is Gabriella. Abby turned and stood slowly and started to walk towards Leah. She looked different. Her smile was wrong, and she spoke in a completely different voice. Abby went on to say that she was Gabriella, Abby's sister, and that Abby is gone. Leah says something like she knows Abby doesn't have a sister, and Gabriella says that she doesn't like what Leah has done to Abby. She stole her sister's boyfriend, and they had to go away for a while. That's when Gabriella showed up and promised to take care of Abby. Leah lost her control a little bit then, and she starts screaming something about how, you know, people get their boyfriends stolen all the time, but they don't go crazy over it. And Gabriella did that slow head turn thing and said, what did you say? And now Leah starts to backpedal because she realizes that Gabriella is holding the silver pistol. Leah reminds Gabriella the gun was loaded with blanks. And Gabriella assures her that she brought along real bullets and now it's ready to fire for real. And she takes aim and says, here, let me show you. And then we cut to Nina again. She's back in the living room with Emily and Rebecca and Ruby. And Nina's trying to stay calm. She's telling herself everything's going to be all right. She's looking out the window. And in kind of a, a moment of despair, she looks down at her feet. But as she does this, she notices there's a cord on the wall. A phone cord running along the molding down the wall and she tells everyone what she's found and they start to follow this cord and it ends in a modern phone jack but there's no phone plugged into it 
Nina suggests there must have been a phone there recently, and that somebody must have just unplugged them, and they'd maybe hit them. So they spread out. They're opening cabinets and drawers and closets. They're all looking for the missing phones. When they hear a scream from the basement. In the basement, Gabriella is forcing Leah down the steps with the gun to her back. And Leah knows that she might be able to keep her talking until her other personality can take over. But I'm not sure how much good that would do, Leah, because they both hate you. And before Gabriella has a chance to shoot Leah, Jordan, Jordan, Gordon, comes down the basement steps. And he's talking very calmly. He's asking Abby for the gun. Gabriella starts sh- shouting at him that it's, she's Gabriella. 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 And Gordon tells Leah, this is how it happened before. This is Abby's other personality. He's telling Gabriella he really wants to talk to Abby. And Gabriella is just screaming and pointing the gun at him, saying that he broke all of his promises to Abby. Broken, broken, broken. Leah falls on the ground, and Gordon goes for the gun while Gabriella is distracted. They struggle, and the gun goes off. By the time the other girls get down the stairs, they find Gordon and Abby rolling around fighting in like a corner, and the gun is laying on the floor some feet from them. Leah is against the wall, screaming at them rather unhelpfully to stop it. Nina sees Gordon attacking Abby, and remember, Nina still thinks that Gordon is the killer. So Nina picks up the gun and holds it on them, telling Gordon to stop attacking Abby. But then Abby starts screaming at Nina that she's not Abby, she's Gabriella. And that's when Nina starts to get it. She lowers the gun, and seemingly out of steam, Abby slash Gabriella just kind of stops fighting. And she lays on the floor, and she just keeps repeating over and over, saying she'll kill Leah, she'll kill her. She killed the shop owner, she killed Andrea, she'll kill Leah too. Nina has had enough. She and Rebecca are going. They're going right now. The storm is over. They're going to go get some help. When a voice on the stairs says there's no need for that. It's Andrea. She skips down the stairs and says she guesses the game is over now. And that they made it. They all made it. They're all trigams now. She shouts up the stairs. You can come down now. And the owner of the shop comes bounding down the stairs and congratulates all of them for making it through the weekend. You know, they pull this scene every year, every year, and all the girls are pissed. And Andrea is annoyed that there's not more celebration going on. I mean, they just made it into the Trigams. And it's not like they're the first people they've done this prank on. They do it every year. And everyone always survives. Nina gets up in Andrea's face and tells her just what she thinks of her motherfucking trigams. And that she's not quitting. 
she's going to join and she's going to make sure that this stops here and that another pledge class never has to do this again. Leah also points out to Andrea that not everyone made it through and she gestures to Abby still laying on the floor motionless and all Abby can say over and over again is I'm not Abby I'm Gabriella and Andrea jumps up a little like she's forgotten her manners or some shit and she goes up the stairs to call an ambulance Nina confronts Jessie who admits that she knew all along She's got an older sister who's a trigam, so she was in on it. But she has no remorse. And she can't believe that Nina would blame them for what happened to Abby. The ambulance arrives and takes Abby away while she has a full-on conversation with herself. Leah and Gordon are hugging and talking, and Leah says that she just wants to be away. She just wants to go away from here, from these people. She doesn't care that she's made it in. She's quitting. She no longer wants to be in the sorority. She just wants to finish college and be with Gordon. And that's oh, how it ends. Gordon. Wow. Ah! Savior of the universe. He was not the savior of the universe. He was just annoying. Do we windows. Think, would we find him less annoying if he was more hot? No. Like, if we're talking like super mega, like, whoa, hot, perhaps. But if we're just talking like regular old hot, no. He's annoying. He's everywhere. He's always in well, windows and he just shows up and I'm like, Well, and it's Don't hard like to convey, it. too, because... You know, we're re- rehashing a, a very long, complicated book. And so it's, you can't get into too right. many details about any one character. Um, yeah. But he wasn't particularly charming either. Mm. Sometimes there's like, like that other side of that where it's like, okay, well, maybe he's not like, like A plus hot. But the swagger mm-hmm. that comes with it is enough. But that he didn't yeah. have that going on either. Like, some of the guys in the books, like, these ones definitely seem like they have a lot of charm or, like, are very smarmy. You know, they're very, like, you know, that kind of thing. So you can see why they would be, like, everyone's favorite. But I didn't get that vibe from greasy-haired Gordon. Yeah, no. Pass. Unimpressed. So what did you think? Did you think it was a... A joke the whole time? Like, did you, were you fooled? Well, I mean, I didn't buy it at first. You know, I said that. I was like, no, I think they're bluffing. But then it seemed convincing. So I was like, okay, I was wrong. So it kind of made you kind of change. At least it made you kind of question your original thought. Because I thought they were just like, oh, this is like a stupid prank, you know. Or she was just bluffing, you know. Because nobody seemed to really care that they killed someone. (laughs) It was a little too on the nose that it was Andrea who was killed. Mm -hmm. If it had been one of the other girls, I would have been much more apt to believe it. Yeah, that's true. She was kind of the giveaway. Mm -hmm. Suggestion that like they go have some time 
And then that's when yeah. her body is found. It. Like, yeah, <laughs> like she definitely had enough time to pull all that off. Totally. And I really wanted to see like Nina like get some of her own back, but we didn't get a lot of that either. No. Like there wasn't a lot that's of true. I wish she would have taken just a little bit of time to go into like if there were any consequences for the sorority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there should have at least been sort of like one of those, what do they call it when they like, when time passes, <laughs> what's that? And they have a little like blurb, like 10 years like later, jump. you know, like one of those things. Jump. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just a little jump and just said, she took over the sorority, they got theirs, hooray, you know, something just to kind of put a bow on it, I guess. Yeah, because they were completely unapologetic. We like both Andrea and yeah. Jesse were like, what? We do this every year. We do this all the time. Yeah, that attitude. Totally. So yeah. It would have been nice to like pops bust in and they get to <laughs> something. Right. Well, that's yeah. the thing. Like if they do this every year, then that house is set up the same way every year. That's the same lady in the shop mm-hmm. that they planted there every year. The same bus driver. They were never mm-hmm. in any kind of legal damage. Like they probably True. own that jewelry store. The only thing they did was bust up those cases. Yeah. Are they buy them off, you know, and say, hey, it's that time of year again. Right. Exactly right. Yeah. So they must, they have a system, clearly. (laughs) Yeah. So that was point horror number two. Woohoo. Yay. I guess we have to do them in order now. We have to get to three next. Yeah, we'll have to check it out. Our point horror people will be obliged to that because they like things to go in order. (laughs) Yes. Okay, let me get back to my outline. All right, so we hope you enjoyed this episode, especially our point horror peeps. And thanks to Tinker, right, for requesting this one. We're sorry it took 10,000 years. We appreciate your patience. (laughs) And we hope you like it. Um, And we would really love it if you're enjoying the show up to this point or you've enjoyed the show in the past and all you hated this episode. I don't know, whatever. Just if you're liking us, please share the show with friends, family, whomever that may also like the show. We have a little something for everyone. We do goosebumps. We unfortunately covered Attack of the Jack this month, and I'm sorry. I'm going to keep apologizing for that forever because it was a ride. But, you know, maybe you'll like it. And this one was really good. So we have a little bit of something for everybody. So please share. I know we have a few people in the Facebook group who constantly share when we host new episodes. And I love them to death and I appreciate them. So thank you so much for constantly sharing the episodes and we really appreciate it. So if you please do that, share wherever you want, share Instagram, share on Twitter, share on Facebook, send a group text, whatever, whatever is best for you. But please share us and help us get more exposure. That would be fantastic. Tell all your friends. So until next time, though, we are out. Like self-control at the Super Bowl party. (laughs) Do we want to redo it? Bye. No. Bye. Okay.